Oh, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Efficiency Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Leone. This podcast is dedicated to all the women out there who are aspiring to have a career while raising a family. And bitch? Well, that's more than a name and even an attitude. (laughs) We use it as an acronym. It's for bank, inbox, time, connection, and harmony. Each episode is labeled according to the correct topic so that you can efficiently find the topic that you're looking for. I'm here to tell you, you can have your cake and eat it too. The trick is finding efficient ways to get through the have-tos so that you can make room for your best life. I can show you how. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Efficiency Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Leone. If this is your first time here, welcome to the Beehive. I'm so glad you came. If you've been around a while, welcome back. Happy to have you again. And I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. So if you're a small business owner, you really need to turn the volume up. We are going to talk to someone who does something very similar to me. She hosts a podcast and she has a business around CFO services. And I love to hear other CFOs brilliance and their ideas. And Erica has a really good story to share. Erica, hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is great. Yes, I'm so happy you're here. So how about we start with a little introduction, who you are, where you come from, and how you do life? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Erica Goody. I am a CPA by trade. I hail from the rural areas of Idaho, but I was born and raised Chicago. So Idaho is recent to me. But I run a everything from bookkeeping to CFO services accounting firm, supporting coaches, consultants, counselors. Basically, if your industry starts with C, we support you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But we do, yeah, we do bookkeeping to CFO services. We focus very heavily on cash flow forecasting and just help people feel confident in their business money and making decisions. It's so fun, isn't it? I It's my favorite. We do so many of the same things and it's so rewarding to help people see the light bulb go on when they're talking about money. And I know for me and my small business owners that I work with, they know it's there. They know the answer is right in front of them, but they just, there's so much information. And so it's so rewarding to be able to give back that, see that light bulb go on and and make sure that people are really understanding how their business flows. Where did your desire to get into this stem from? How did you decide to get into accounting? Naturally, I wanted to be a veterinarian my entire childhood. Sure. So we ended up in accounting. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Not kidding about the veterinarian. But I remember being probably 10 years old and wanting my first American Girl doll. Did you get the American Girl magazines? Everybody did. Fantastic marketing on their part. Send the girls the magazines. They'll beg for them. And I had just wanted this doll and I can vividly remember writing out my first spreadsheet on a piece of paper and literally budgeting and forecasting for if I get $5 a week for allowance and this thing costs $90, here's how long it will take me to get that. And every week I would like actuals budget and I hid my money and my handwritten spreadsheet in my mom's tea kettle in uh, on her hutch. And that is literally the first time I can remember doing cash flow forecasting. (laughs) And I I really did want to be a veterinarian um, for my entire childhood. I did not put two and two together. Like the fact that sometimes we watch our kids and we can see our kids be really, really fantastic at something. 
and they have no clue because they just don't know. They're like, I don't know. I just do this naturally. Yeah. And so I had always wanted to be a veterinarian. I was hardcore dedicated to it. My dad took me down to a veterinary um, medical school in, in our state. I grew up in Illinois, like I said. And I went down to the University of Illinois, which has a great veterinary program. And I got down there. And it turns out all of the animals are sick when you're in veterinary oh, school. Yeah, that's I just, thing. I just, yeah, I just wanted to pet the dogs and the cats. And it so it turns out I didn't want the sick animals. I just wanted the fluffy, healthy animals. Yeah. So we're down there and I'm like, Dad, I don't want to do this. This is not what I thought this was going to be. <laughs> and I was like, and he's like, that's fine. That's great for you to realize right now. And I was like, yeah, because I was 16. So I hadn't gone down the path yet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't know what to do. And him, having watched me all my childhood, was like, you should consider business. And that was the stepping stone of then taking some classes, high school accounting, which so many people avoid, I ran towards. And it was good and it was easy and I enjoyed it. And here we are now. I know. It's funny. I have similar stories. Like it didn't see it coming, but once it happened, it was like, oh, I should have been doing this all along. Duh. Exactly. (laughs) I thought I wanted to finally clicks. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I wanted to run a bar. And then I was working in the hotel industry and the financial controller came to me and said, you should be doing accounting. What? You want to try this? And I was like, no. He said, try it for a week. Let's see. And first day. Yeah, I should be doing this. <laughs> this is fun for me. So if you don't know what that thing is yet, it's okay. Maybe it's accounting if you don't know what your thing is. Yeah, no shame <laughs> in it. doing accounting. It's good profession. So the thing about accounting and finance in general is that these words are used to describe a lot of different functions, right? There is tax planning, there's tax preparation, there's cash flow, there's forecasting, there's bookkeeping, there's and there's the business side and there's the personal side. And then there's the messy part where this come together. And it gets confusing for people. I've been doing this 20 years and I'm still learning new things all the time. Tax laws are changing. Everything is always all over the place. So it's really fun for me to be able to compare notes and talk to other CFOs who do similar things. You specialize and you have a talk that you do. And I, I want to talk I want to unravel that a little bit here today. And it's the zero tax myth. Did I say that right? Um, About why paying zero taxes shouldn't be the goal. So I'm hoping maybe you can talk a little bit about that and give us some ideas on why you think zero taxes is not the goal. Yes. So I'm sure you have witnessed this also. There's a lot. We both know, everybody listening to this knows, there's a lot of talk and chatter and noise, social media, clickbait. Ad, not ads, but article titles. Mm-hmm. Like everybody wants to tell you how to save the most amount of money. And I think what crops up is this misnomer that if I'm paying taxes, I'm doing something wrong. And there is a way that I can pay zero taxes. I just need to find the right person to show me how to pay zero taxes. Now, yes, there are plenty of people and industries and companies actually paying zero taxes right now. There are some very specific industries as where that is the case. If you want to manufacture microchips in the United States right now, you will likely pay zero taxes. If you want to start a solar farm in the United States and produce solar energy, we could probably find you zero taxes. For you and I, a lot of the people we deal with, a lot of our audiences on our podcasts are not making microchips and they are not solar farm business owners, lovely industries, but those tend to, they're for sure not the people I support. I support 
very like solopreneurs, people who have left their corporate gigs. They want to do something on their own, help companies, help businesses Mm -hmm. with their expertise, whether that be marketing or IT or engineering or business coaching, whatever it is, they're using their brain to help somebody else. They're I will tell you there is not a hidden formula for paying zero in taxes in those types of industries. And I get people who run up to me at conferences or people who know I'm a CPA and they're like, how can I pay zero in taxes? (laughs) And I'm like, I know, don't make a profit. And they're like, no, wait, huh? And I was like, that's if you make money. That's literally the way. (laughs) Yeah, it's how the IRS determines the formula. If you want, especially in our industries, if yeah. you if you don't want to pay taxes, don't make money in consulting and coaching and all of that. There, you're not permission to not find the fancy formula. There is no magic out there for that. There are ways for sure to reduce your taxes and to get tax efficient. But there are people. We'll use another industry like farmers construction. They have this opportunity to buy trucks, like they can buy equipment, right? really big equipment, trucks, things that they can depreciate in special ways to make them pay no tax. The problem is they do that one year, they didn't pay any tax. Now the next year, they're like, I got to buy a truck again. Yep. And I'm like, you could, I'm not sure that would be a wise use of your money because you told me in our conversations that you want to pay yourself $10,000 a month and you want to save a retirement and you want to do all these things. If that's the case, don't buy trucks every year. And so I think there's a lot of noise in the money space that make people think that they're missing something when really they're not. If you are making a profit and you are paying taxes, congratulations, you have done it correctly. (laughs) I agree completely. That's part of living in a civilized society is paying taxes. I was just talking to my children about that last night about how much tax we pay as citizens of mm-hmm. this country and of our neighboring country, Canada, as well. There's a lot of taxes that get that get paid by its citizens, not just income taxes, but property taxes and sales taxes. Yeah. And there's just there's so many types. And it can be very frustrating when you feel like you're having a hard time making ends meet and you see all this money going out the door. But it's going into your roads and to your fire departments and to your and your other places, the schools that are helping. So it's you're right. The the goal in in my mind is never to pay zero taxes. It's to pay what you owe and nothing more. Yes, <laughs> and that's definitely what I tell my nothing people. less because if you pay less, Uncle Sam's going to come looking for you. But yeah, keeping your books in order is such an important part of that because if you don't know what profit you're making, you can't accurately pay your taxes and then you get into some big trouble. (laughs) So what are some of the ways that business owners can legally reduce some of their tax liabilities? Yes. So absolutely what you just said is having clean bookkeeping. I think that's foundational. I think everybody listening this knows. Yes, easier said than done, but it is important to do it or have somebody do it for you. Because what I see is just missed opportunities because we don't have clean books. We're like, oh, I forgot my LinkedIn premium subscription is going to my personal credit card. And so it's not going in there. But when I look at my clients, I'm like, hey, you have premium. I've never seen a charge for that on your books. Like, Mm -hmm. where is that? And the clients, oh, I never realized it was hitting my personal. I'm like, oh, move that puppy over. That's a business expense. Let's get Mm -hmm. that over and, and deduct that. 
And so something is that sounds as simple as good bookkeeping is really like the backbone for making sure all your deductions are accounted for. And I think when you have somebody not being yourself doing it for you, you have another set of eyes and somebody who's keen to know where the holes usually are, like your LinkedIn premium account, things like Mm -hmm. that, where when you have everything tidy, you can find things better, right? Like any anything in our house, right? When there's less clutter, when things are organized, we find things easier. (laughs) Same goes for deductions, right? It's really hard to find something in your drunk drawer. I have a drunk drawer. I don't know what's in there right now. I know it's a mess. But if I cleaned it up, I would know where everything was. And that's the same thing for your business deductions when it comes to when it comes to your bookkeeping. Mm -hmm. After that, I go into retirement contributions. So many of my clients are know that they need to do more for retirement. We won't get into the details, but the government is telling us we need to do more for retirement. They're incenting us to do more for retirement. And the way they incent us is to give us tax credits and deductions for that. And so what I do with my clients is we're not only planning out business expenses with cash flow forecasting and business revenue, but we're building in big chunks of retirement contributions, like 10,000 here, 20,000 there, because in the end, that is actually going to help your today taxes on your tax bill this upcoming April. So we build in those big items. And there's, I think, more opportunities for business owners than actually for W-2 employees. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. Yes. There's more. Like You can do yes. so much more with a SEP IRA if you're a small business owner than you can with a 401k if you're a W-2. The dollar amounts are so much higher. I, I have this philosophy that if you're a small business owner, you either need to be Funding your retirement, like you're talking about, right? Taking some of that money and putting it into retirement plans, therefore lowering your profit because it's an expense to the business. Or you need to be showing as much profit as possible so that you can sell it. And then that's how you retire. You don't want to have a business that's not funding your retirement and showing no profit because you will have to work that business for the rest of your life and never be able to retire, never be able to sell it. No one's going to buy a business that doesn't show any profits. Businesses like yours and mine, where we're selling ourselves and our own brains and our own knowledge, that's okay if no one's going to buy my business because it's my brain, but it's funding my retirement is the goal, right? So, Right. Absolutely. It is tricky. And knowing how cash flow goes through in different times is really important. I had a conversation with a client the other day who said they got a, a loan disbursement and they said, how long will that loan last me? And I said, that loan is about two and a half months worth of expenses. And he just about fell out of his chair. And I said, but you have to remember there's cash coming in. You're going to always have deposits in. This just represents two and a half months of your expenses. And so understanding how the money comes in, the money goes out, and literally the flow of the cash will matter. It's just like in your personal life, when you get paid, when your mortgage comes out, when the electric bills do know when you're going to go to the grocery store and you can time things appropriately, that exact same philosophy applies to your business. And you map it and you decide when you're going to pay things. And But it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of energy. It takes knowing your business and it takes knowing how to build those things in order to work through them. So if, if paying zero taxes is not the goal, what is our goal? as business owners that you heard my little philosophy. Do you share that idea? Yeah, pretty similarly. I think um, everybody who's come to me, all my clients, everybody 
all of us have some kind of goal in mind, some kind Mm -hmm. of financial goal, whether we have really sat down and had a heart to heart with ourselves and talked about it, where we've all gone into business, we haven't gone into hobby. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Businesses make money, hobbies cost money. Like we've gone into business because we want to make money and we usually want to make money for something, right? Very few of us are just doing it to kill time. And so whatever that goal is to build your, my philosophy is build your business around that goal. I, obviously you probably want to pay yourself the same. For me and my clients, I'm very big on paying yourself the same dollar amount out of your business every month. There are some people who like the same percentage of revenue every month. For me and my clients, it's the same dollar amount because mm-hmm. uh, almost always mortgages and rent are the same dollar amount every month. We usually have the same car payments every month. And so we're just trying to match the the business output to what you need in your personal life. And so for my clients, it's a lot of consistency. It's built. It's building your business to be in a way that feels like your corporate job that you likely left. Mm-hmm. So that when you can have a consistent income coming into your personal life, when you can consistently save for retirement, if you have any bigger dreams beyond that, like I want to pay for my kids college or I want a vacation home or I just want to go on vacation somewhere fantastic every year or to the lake house every year, whatever it is, helping my clients build their businesses and their cash flow around those desires so that... Mm-hmm. All their hard work is going towards what they actually want in their life. That's yeah. not for me to, to decide what they want in their life, but helping them align those two things. I like that. And I want to go back to something you said about the flat amount every month. I, I know a lot of people who like to do the percentage as well. And the, I agree with you completely. The benefit of saying I get $1,000 a week or I get $10,000 a month or whatever that amount is is forcing your business to save for you. And at the end of the year, you can give yourself a bonus or an yes. extra distribution or fund it into retirement. But I guarantee if it goes into your personal checking, it's likely going to get spent. Yeah. Most of the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Unless so you for... have some strong mechanisms otherwise. But, yeah. <laughs> and some people mm-hmm. don't and they know they don't. Yeah. Um, but especially in in with my clients consulting and coaching, there can be these huge roller coaster revenue months where month you have a $50,000 project. The next month you have zero. The following month you sign a $90,000 project. You have these like big fluxes or coaches with group programs. They have these huge launches. I have a huge launch and I brought in $100,000 in revenue and then I have zero for the next six months. And it's really hard to run your personal life on such a huge on such a huge roller coaster all the time. Mm-hmm. And so while the business is going to run on a roller coaster, what we try to do with cash flow planning is to make it even out so that the business owner on the personal side feels very consistent and comfortable and they know what's going to happen next month in their personal life. And they're not worried about these massive revenue roller coasters that are happening in their business that they can't always control the cadence of. I have a, we didn't talk about this question, but I have one for you. Go what for do you it. think about Profit First? I use Profit First in my business when I first started. Like I, and I'm one, I will read all of the money books. I want to know me all too. the trend, trendy money things because yeah. people want to talk to me about them and I want to know what they're talking about. Yeah. I, like many things, love that it helps a lot of people. I think anything that helps, if 
Profit first is what your brain works like. Find what works for you and do it consistently. For me, it's not how my brain works. It okay. worked for me. Even when I was doing profit first, I was like, and then I'm going to pay myself this amount of money per month. And then profit first can work around that dollar amount. And I just needed something consistent because I wanted to feel like I had my corporate my corporate job comfort. Mm-hmm. And so I do. I think it's great if it works for people. I'm not going to shoot anybody's yeah. methodology down. It's not for me. I, I do get clients who have used it and then they got to a point in their business and they're like, ah, this doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah. That's like, why I bring it up. It It's so topical. People ask me about it all the time and I have a similar thought. Maybe it's because we speak accounting and we understand the balance sheet and the P&L and the cash flow statement. But if you don't know that stuff, he does explain things in the right way. If you're listening to this and you don't know what Profit First is, there's an audible, there's a book, you can go read it. I to me, his philosophy is about cash flow management. He's just teaching it in a way of putting it into different buckets so that you think you have a safety net. I've seen people get really tangled up in it, though. I've seen it get real yeah. ugly real fast and they forget to transfer and then they have all this NSF stuff coming out. And it just gets messy. So yeah, it's been my philosophy, too. But I do know a few people who it's worked for. I know a few people who it hasn't. So <laughs> just agreed. Depends. Agreed. And I like Mike, if Mike McCallowis is listening to this podcast, I like him. I like his books. I read totally, his books. Totally. He's funny. Yeah. yeah he's I good. love him. So it's nothing against him. It's just different strokes for different folks. Yeah, definitely. It's And he says in his book too, that if you talk to a, a formally trained accountant, they probably don't like your method, his methodology. Which he does say that. Most yes. of us don't. <laughs> that's, that's all good too. So Erica, you have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about it and where the audience can connect with you if they want to continue the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It is called Coaches, Consultants, and Money, and it is a weekly podcast. And I talk a little bit about technical accounting stuff in very easy to understand terms. It is not meant to go over anybody's head. It's in a very every woman, every man language. And then talk to other coaches and consultants about their real life experience and some experts. It's a fun time. Sometimes I even have my CPA husband on Mm. and we have some very like casual marriage money conversations, which are sometimes fun to listen to. (laughs) That's awesome. Mm. Erica, thank you so much for coming. It's really wonderful to talk to you. And thank thank you so much much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. If you've been around a while, I'm glad you came back. Make sure you are subscribed so that you don't miss next week's episode. Until then, I'm Melissa Leon. See ya. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new around here, please be sure to leave us a review on any podcast platform you're listening to. And you can always reach out to me to let me know what topics you're interested in hearing about or maybe telling me someone you think would be great for the show. Either way, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at EfficiencyBee. Until next time, see ya.